If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. All right, welcome back. Mike Smith in for Simi today. We got Greta Thunberg in town today, the 16-year-old from Sweden. She's become the face of youth climate activism around the world. She's leading a rally in Vancouver today. Thousands of young people arriving to demand action on climate change. Uh, We'll hope to bring you some of her comments live on the show today, so make sure you keep it locked here for that. A lot of young people getting involved in the climate change activism and movement now so here's the hot question of the day we just went through a federal election should the voting age be lowered so young people can have their say in elections especially with so many young people getting involved in climate change activism would you say yes lower the voting age to 16 or would you say no that is too young to vote you can vote on twitter on this one at cknw on twitter is where you will find the hot question today also call me on the buzz line today and leave me a voicemail there 604-331-BUZZ 604-331-2899 leave your vote there in a comment we may play it later on the show let's talk about that famous financial dumpster fire over at icbc now The public auto insurer lost about a billion bucks last year. They lost over a billion the year before that. They're losing around three million a day over there or more. The BC government said, we got to stop the bleeding here. One thing Attorney General David Eby did, he brought the hammer down on those personal injury lawyers. So the government brought in new court rules limiting expert evidence in icbc court cases the lawyers could only bring in a maximum of three expert reports in these cases in these trials the personal injury lawyers are mad as hell about that they sued eb in court they won this week big setback for the bc government the bc uh, supreme court saying that is unconstitutional you can't meddle in the court system like that the government's saying this is going to cost a lot of money now. EB said they were going to save $400 million bucks by doing this, but the courts have put the brakes on that. I'm going to speak to EB later on the show, just after 1230, he'll be on. Let's get the other side of it now. Andrew Wilkinson is my guest, leader of the B.C. Liberal Party, leader of the official opposition in the B.C. legislature. Hi, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. What do you think about the court decision this week on the EB moves on ICBC? Well, drivers better bring out their checkbooks. You know, we're seeing these big increases in ICBC premiums all over the province, and David Eby was going to be a hero and save the drivers $400 million bucks. You know, given that we've got about 3 million motor vehicles, that was supposed to be 150 bucks per policy. Well, forget about that, because David Eby blew it. Uh, they had no idea what they were doing, and the courts told them that. So we're back to square one, and drivers are going to pay you know, we're seeing these huge increases in premiums across the province. I was in Cranbrook last week and heard from a, a man who's 
son has a vehicle to go to university and back, and his premium went from 3000 bucks to 7300 So they're rethinking whether they'll have Whoa. a car at all. Whoa. Another family in Cranbrook is a single mom whose daughter has a car that got for 1000 bucks, so she can go to the College of the Rockies and have her two part-time jobs. Her premiums went up to $3,000, so the dreams are off. Can't afford it. So there's a lot of explaining to be done here because David Eby is just blundering around in the dark, and John Horgan's got to start to wear this. He's responsible for this. Fix it. Well, do you give EB any credit at all for trying to fix the thing, or do you think he should never have tried to to meddle in in the court in the court rules at all? You know, he he's basically gone to war with these personal injury lawyers. Do you think if you if you were the premier right now, you wouldn't have done that? Is that what you're saying? Well, he not only went to war with the personal injury lawyers; he went to war with the judges. The rules committee is a bunch of judges who set the rules. He decided to override them and tell them how to run the courts. They said, "Forget it, David EB." unconstitutional, go back to square one. So we've got this blundering problem where the NDP have these grand designs and they just keep fumbling around making mistakes. And who pays? The drivers of British Columbia. So, you know, we need the John Horgan and the NDP to start to focus on what's actually going to make a difference. They're supposed to be the affordability government and everybody's premiums are going up. So what would you do? What about these lawyers, though? You let these lawyers just run wild and run up these bills or would you do something about it, too? We need to have a a complete review of auto insurance in this province. We have a 45-year-old state-run monopoly that doesn't work. Nobody uses this model anywhere in the world except BC. So why are we so married to it? Let's look at the best examples from around the world, New Zealand, Australia, the UK, across Canada. Find out what the best options are and give drivers a choice. Because we're stuck in this la-la land of the NDP monopoly, and it doesn't work anymore. Be honest about it. It doesn't work. So let's find systems that do work and give drivers a choice. Treat people with respect. Let me ask you, I'm speaking to Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson. Let me ask you this about another court case right now. And that's another one with the B.C. trial lawyers suing the government. The government brought in a cap of $5,500. That would be the maximum payment for pain and suffering from a minor injury in a car crash. The lawyers are mad as hell about that one too, and they're suing the government over that as well. What is your position on that cap? $5,500 maximum payout for pain and suffering for a minor injury. Do you, do you uh, oppose that? Mike, this gets complicated real fast because one of the things that they included in that minor injuries category was essentially concussion and depression and psychological injuries. You know, I did personal injury defense for 12 years on behalf of the medical profession. And some people have major injuries that develop over time, and they become incapacitated. And what this would do, according to David Eby's plan, is say to those folks, okay, we're three or four months into it, you're uh, depressed, non-functional, so here's 5000 bucks. that's it. It's over. Well, you know? no, there there would have been an appeal process there where you could have the case reviewed and have it uh, and have it recategorized into a into a major injury where the cap wouldn't apply. Well, this right? is the problem, Mike, because you're starting to talk about process upon process upon process. The NDP is supposed to be making life more affordable for us. Instead, they're trying to create all these cockamamie schemes. One of them just got shot to pieces in the courts and is unconstitutional. Yeah. Now they've got another cockamamie scheme that's supposed to be clever and 
What we need to do is get auto insurance on the table, ask the question of how does it work all around the world, what's the best system, and let's fix it on behalf of drivers. Rather than David Eby keeping his little plan to come up with another little game and John Horgan nodding his head and saying, yeah, yeah, it's going to be more affordable. Well, good luck with that. You go to the insurance broker today and find out how much your insurance has gone up. It's not more affordable. Okay, how would you fix it then? Well, like I said... There are different models all around the world. There are five different models across Canada. Let's get them all on the table, figure out how it actually works for British Columbians. And here's a thought for you. Get the models on the table through the experts and have a group of citizens come together and make the choice of which ones should be available to BC. Well, I mean, that sounds like more process. You're just complaining about the government's going into process instead of fixing the thing. Now you're talking about expert panels. You could fix the thing in a year. Put the models on the table. Let British Columbians decide. Give people a choice. Treat people with respect. Don't just keep coming up with these patches to David Eby's plan and have Joan Horgan okay. say this is good for you. We're okay. getting tired of that, Mike. Do you think ICBC should be privatized? Well, that's going to be, have to be on the table. Whether it's worth anything is another question. Who would buy a money-losing industry? you going to go and buy a sinking ship? I don't think so. What about opening up ICBC to private sector competition like right now? ICBC has a monopoly on your basic auto insurance product, which is the one that everyone has to buy. Do you think that private insurance companies should be allowed to compete against ICBC for that market? Here's a great question, Mike. There are about 5,000 taxis in British Columbia. They pay up to $37,000 a year in insurance to ICBC. It's a monopoly. Why not let a private insurer in and see what they can do? What's the downside? Who's going to complain? Well, the potential downside is if you listen to the people at ICBC or the people who support a public auto insurer, they'll say, if, if you let the private companies in here, they're just going to cream off the, the easiest cases, the lowest risk drivers. Sure, they'll insure those people, but the high risk drivers, people who've got accidents or tickets or young, inexperienced drivers, ICBC will get stuck with those drivers. That's, so that's a very. Take, how do you, how do you, how do you avoid that? Why not have a trial with taxis? They drive all the time. See how it works. Why not? Okay, so what are you going to do We got an, when we get around to another provincial election? What will your promise be to British Columbians on this? We're going to bring it into focus as to how giving consumers a choice will actually work. That's our task, and that's what we'll bring to the drivers of British Columbia, that you do not have to do what you're told by John Horgan and pay these exorbitant premiums. Who can afford $7,300 for insurance for your kid yeah. when nobody's had any accidents? This is getting ridiculous. Government's supposed to serve the public, not oppress them, okay, not extract the, cash from them. Should the government step in and lower those insurance premiums, order ICBC to cap those premiums, especially for these young drivers who are getting absolutely walloped here? There are a couple of provinces in Atlantic Canada that actually have a cap on the amount that can be charged to young drivers. You know, ICBC used to charge them a minimal amount. Now they've decided to quadruple, quintuple, you know, six-fold increases in premiums. Who can handle that? You know, your life plan is built up on a certain thing. Oh, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do my best. and I have a part-time job? I can barely afford the car. Along comes John Horgan and says, forget it. We've decided to put your premium up by $5,000. Your dream's okay. out the window. Okay, so is that an, a yes then? You think the government should step in and put a cap on it and order ICBC to roll back those rates? 
like I say, Mike, it's important for British Clemens to have a choice, and that means you've got to figure out what the options are on the well, table. How about give me a straight answer here? Would the government step, if you were Premier right now, would you order the ICBC to roll back those rates? I would say it's time for us to look at all the options available yeah. to drivers and find the thing that's the most affordable. Because right now we have one monopoly run by John Horgan saying pay up, and we're all getting tired of it. Andrew Wilkinson, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. All the I, I appreciate it. That is Andrew Wilkinson, leader of the VC Liberal Party. He's the leader of the opposition. Remember how much they're losing over there. ICBC lost just over a billion dollars in the last fiscal year. They lost 1.3 billion bucks the year before that. According to the BC government, one of the big problems, skyrocketing legal fees. Now, that's why Attorney General David Eby brought in those new rules on the use of expert evidence in ICBC court cases. These expert reports cost a fortune. The government tried to cap the maximum number at just three expert reports per case. ICBC was set to save millions of dollars. The personal injury lawyers, though, they were mad as hell over that. They sued the government over it, and this week the government lost. Now, earlier on the show today, I spoke to Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson. He says that the government has bungled this one. Here he is. Well, drivers better bring out their checkbooks. You know, we're seeing these big increases in ICBC premiums all over the province, and David Eby was going to be a hero and save the drivers 400 million bucks. You know, given that we've got about 3 million motor vehicles, that was supposed to be 150 bucks per policy. Well, forget about that because David Eby blew it. Uh, they had no idea what they were doing, and the courts told them that. So we're back to square one, and drivers are going to pay. You know, we're seeing these huge increases in premiums across the province. I was in Cranbrook last week and heard from a, a man whose son has a vehicle to go to university and back, and his premium went from 3000 bucks to 7300 So they're rethinking whether they'll have Whoa. a car at all. Whoa. Another family in Cranbrook is a single mom whose daughter has a car that got for 1000 bucks, so she can go to the College of the Rockies and have her two part-time jobs. Her premiums went up to $3,000, so the dreams are off. Can't afford it. So there's a lot of explaining to be done here because David Eby is just blundering around in the dark, and John Horgan's got to start to wear this. He's responsible for this. Fix it. All right, Andrew Wilkinson speaking to me earlier today on the show, the Liberal leader. You heard him going after David Eby there saying he's the Attorney General's blundering around in the dark. Let's talk to David Eby right now, the Attorney General. Very pleased to welcome him. Hi, thanks for coming on. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Okay, I'm good. Thanks for coming on. So your ears must have been burning there with the Wilkinson going after you. He says you blew it. You bungled this thing. What do you say to him? I uh, uh, it's a, I mean, it's certainly, uh, I feel a lot of responsibility for this file. I uh, have a huge uh, task that the Premier has set out for me to work uh, and reduce premiums for people and get the cost at ICBC under control. Um, I accept that. But I have to say, uh, hearing from Mr. Wilkinson, who, with his colleague uh, Todd Stone and his colleague Mike DeYoung, uh, watched as ICBC careened out of control, hid reports, uh, that told them early on that they were headed for trouble, cut out pages from the reports before they released to the public so the public didn't know, hid the accounting so that before the election people didn't know ICBC was losing so much money, and then handed over a corporation that was losing a billion dollars a year. And by the way, in quarter one, showed for the first time a break-even break year for ICBC. Uh, so we've come a long way from what they left us. 
So I'll, I'll take criticism from a lot of people. We've got a lot of work to do, but I won't take criticism from Andrew Wilkinson. I mean, he's the last guy in the province <laughs> to be saying the BC Liberals would do a better job because they had a chance and they didn't. Okay, doesn't he have a point, though, when he starts talking about those skyrocketing ICBC bills, especially for young drivers, like you heard him say there, about a $7,300 ICBC bills. I mean, that's got it. That's that's a brutal. Well, we need a bit of a reality check. I mean, the biggest increase that any uh, inexperienced driver faced in the entire province is $324 on their basic insurance. So I understand that's a big increase. Um, unfortunately, for inexperienced drivers, uh, that's a fraction of their actual cost to the system. About one in four of the accidents in our province are caused by inexperienced drivers. And what we've done is we've shifted rates a little bit to say, you're representing more of a risk on the road. We need you to understand that when you're buying a brand new car and you want to insure it for collision and, and third-party liability and so on, that costs a lot of money. And ICBC is in a lot of financial trouble because of the actions of the last government. So it's not a happy situation, I agree. Um, but it's it's not... Uh, four thousand um, dollars it's uh, 300 and change for the for the most dramatically mm. impacted by this change on their basic insurance and by the way he's touting a private system and the private insurers acknowledge that those same drivers would pay nine hundred dollars more under a private full competition scenario so i don't know what he's talking about okay i asked him this morning what he would do if he wasn't running things and one of the things he suggested was maybe the government should step in here and cap ICBC rates for young drivers. Your thoughts on that? Uh, we already do. Um, ICBC rates for inexperienced drivers are subsidized by other drivers in the province. Uh, we've shifted that subsidization a little bit by a few hundred dollars. Um, and the goal is to help people understand uh, when they're making choices about what kind of car they're driving as an inexperienced driver and what kind of coverage they buy, uh, some of the cost of that. And I know it's not particularly welcome, uh, there's another group of drivers that are also facing significantly higher rates, which are people with uh, multiple excessive speeding tickets, driving while impaired, and so on, because these higher-risk drivers are, are driving the costs. And so young, inexperienced drivers, and it's not young drivers, inexperienced drivers, will see their insurance drop quite dramatically as they get experience on the road. Okay, speaking to Attorney General David Eby, you famously called the situation over at ICBC the, the financial dumpster fire, and you said you've been determined to put the fire out. You mentioned that in the first quarter of this fiscal year, ICBC had actually kind of looked like they'd turned the tide and and were in the black for the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Are they going to stay in the black, given that you just suffered this big court loss, yeah, this big loss in court uh, this week? Obviously, it's a really significant setback for us uh, for a couple reasons. One is um, we had hoped uh, that by reform of the court processes and the court rules, we could drive some costs down. So in the UK, they had the same problem, and they brought in a special set of court rules just for uh, car collisions. Um, and there's a bonus in terms of uh, having this discussion about the court rules. Is since 2006, uh, people have been talking about this issue of expert reports, not just in, in car-related uh, litigation, but in all litigation, these uh, wildly expensive expert reports. I mean, you just had a story about a, uh, someone who had a bill from a lawyer for $30,000 in expert reports to resolve a hundred thousand dollar claim and uh and i know icbc would have had expert reports on that as well so that's just a fraction of the money and all of that um is paid for by people in the court system it limits access to justice because you have to be able to afford these reports to sue somebody uh for your case to prove your case so we said let's let's reduce that let's do what we did in family law and go to experts that are jointly uh, agreed to by both sides and then the court can hear from an impartial expert uh and reduce this reliance on adversarial experts and and it'll have a bonus of uh hopefully reducing some costs at ICBC, 
so it was a big yeah. setback. And uh, but more broadly, uh, I think uh, the idea that um, addressing the court rules and, and driving down those legal costs in that way is uh, is going to help get costs under control at ICBC. That was a pretty significant blow. Oh, okay, well, it sounds like a good plan, but it was proved to be unconstitutional according to the B.C. Supreme Court. Looking back on this now, is this a mistake that the government went down this road now that you've suffered this setback? Well, clearly, I mean, we lost the case. I mean, we're studying it, and we're having a look at what the Chief Justice told us. Um, it's uh, it, the, the reason why we were looking at it was because the United Kingdom may limit you to one adversarial expert. In Australia, you're not even allowed any at all. Uh, and uh, there are rules across Canada limiting uh, expert witnesses, so we thought we were on reasonably firm ground. But, you know, we're studying the decision, and we're looking at whether to appeal but in any event, what it means is a significant delay. That the savings, uh, specifically to ICBC, um, are obviously um, uh, not going to be realized. But more importantly, to me, the issue of the justice system as a whole and, and finding those efficiencies around expert witnesses that are, frankly, out of control is this big bloated infrastructure on both sides for plaintiffs and defendants that people have to pay for, whether through their car insurance or some other way. Uh, we need to fix that, and uh, and we'll take another swing. Okay, what about privatizing ICBC or at least allowing private sector competition for basic auto insurance, which right now is a monopoly market for ICBC? The Liberals have said, and Wilkinson said it to me again once again this morning, that maybe, he always couches his language carefully here, but he says maybe it's time to look at a private sector option. What do you say? Well, he's, he's careful, uh, unless he's talking to his BC Liberal supporters at the convention, he said it's time for privatization. And I believe that's his plan. Now, the reason why he's careful before an election, just as they were careful before the last election not to tell people that ICBC was losing so much money under their watch, is because he knows that the private insurers issued a report, their own report, uh, that said that no driver under the age of 44 would see any benefit uh, from privatization in terms of rates. And drivers uh, 34 and under would all see significant increases ranging from 34% for the uh, youngest drivers to 18% for drivers uh, between 29 and 34. Uh, and those are huge increases. That's $900 for the most inexperienced drivers. Uh, and he knows it because the report's out. It's public. I can provide the link for the report. People can read it themselves. Of course, it's on page 35, hidden a little table. But it's in there, and it's very clear. And that's why, you know, when we look at Alberta, when we look at Ontario, which are the private models, they are the only two provinces that regularly have higher insurance uh, quotes well, in British Columbia. Well, I always hear you say that it's more expensive with private insurance in other provinces, but then when you talk to the Insurance Bureau of Canada, which represents these private companies, they'll say the opposite. So, for example, I wrote a column, I know you're familiar with it, of, of a case of a young woman in Vancouver, new driver, she gets $6,400 ICBC bill. You go to the private insurers and they say, oh, she could have got insured in Calgary for 3400 for half of that. Yeah, so there's, there's two pieces right. to this. One is that... The provinces of Manitoba and Saskatchewan who have no dog in this fight, they evaluate uh, provincial insurance plans as part of their annual reports for their public insurer. And they always rate Alberta and Ontario as more expensive than B.C. But more importantly, I think, uh, is we have different systems than Ontario. We have different systems than Alberta in terms of what people can sue for and what benefits they get. So the question is, what would the private insurers charge when they came to British Columbia? And the insurers actually wrote a report about that. They hired MNP and MNP did this report for them. And it's there in black and white. They'll charge inexperienced drivers $900 more. Uh, and, sure. you know, so it's their own numbers about what they would do in British Columbia. The report came out last year. I'll, I'll happy to send it along, Mike, so you can share it with your listeners um, so that they at least know uh, why we're uh, so reluctant 
to even consider that approach because it doesn't deliver lower rates. It hasn't in Alberta or Ontario. Okay. Uh, and for most drivers, it wouldn't here either. There's one more question for you. You lost this big court case this week at the B.C. Supreme Court. What is next on that file? Are you going to appeal that judgment? Uh, we're still having a look at it. Uh, the certainly uh, appeal is option an option open to us, and we're making our best decision. What is critically important, uh, independent of the court judgment, for me is getting rates down, and so we're working with yeah. experts inside and outside ICBC you, for further initiatives here. You also brought in a cap of five thousand five hundred dollars in payment for pain and suffering and minor uh, minor injuries suffered in a car crash. The, the trial lawyers are suing you over that one too. Are you concerned about losing that case as well? Well, following this judgment, uh, certainly uh, it, it is on my mind. Uh, the concern that I have is that that is the change that uh, that transformed ICBC's bottom line by an order of about a billion dollars and wow. also uh, funded uh, increasing benefits that hadn't increased since the 90s. Um, so it's a big deal if that one goes down. But I, I have more... Uh, we're, we're, uh, this, we based that reform on a reform that had taken place in every other province in Canada uh, many years previously and has also been challenged in those okay. provinces as, and unsuccessfully. So uh, we do uh, feel like we're on much firmer ground there. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Attorney General David Eby. All right, let's talk about the Vancouver Fall Home Show underway right now and through the weekend of the Vancouver Convention Center. Super popular show, great home reno and decoration ideas, lots of guests and panels and demos down there. Of course, some of your favorite TV celebrities, including my next guest, Brian Baumler, Canada's best home handyman, hosted tons of hit shows, House of Brian, Leave it to Brian, Disaster DIY, which sounds like my own handyman skills. Brian, welcome. Hey, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Welcome to Vancouver. Brian, you're one of the big headliners down at the the fall home show there this year. What do they got you doing down there? Uh, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be holding the carpet down on the stage tonight at 7 and uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock for sure. So I've, I've you know, talked to the crowd to share some stories about uh, our Bahamas uh, Island of Brian show, some behind-the-scenes things, and and just answer questions. I love I love chatting to the people and seeing what uh, people want to know. People come up and ask you for home reno tips and ask you to solve their problems for them? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the number one question I get is, when are you coming to my house? And, yeah. uh, <laughs> so that, uh, but no, I mean, anything from, uh, you know, leaks in the roof to uh, warming up their house to efficiencies, you name it. People want to know everything about their homes and usually where to best spend their money to get a better return. Is fall a busy time for people? Like a lot of people will do work inside their home when the weather starts to get chilly. They do, yeah. People yeah. tend to get inside. Um, it depends. I mean, if you if you've planned your your renovations properly and and done things the right way, I mean, now's the the time of year you can get out of the house and uh, maybe travel, go somewhere a little yeah. a little warmer. Like, uh, I mean, ba- Bahamas is a good spot. I know a guy there. <laughs> I got to talk to you about. I want to ask you about the Bahamas. I think that's really interesting. What's going on down there? How did you get into this whole TV career? You, you mean you started out as a home contractor, right? Yeah, I mean, I was. Um, yeah, I was actually on my way to law school. I did uh, business wow. and, and uh, political science at uh, at Western. I moved out to Vancouver. I was getting ready to uh, hit law school and and ended up kind of giving up on that. Not giving up on that, but you know, making the the right decision and heading back to trade school. And a few years, uh, five six years into um, after opening my own construction business, um, you know, I was watching these shows and, and saw the guys that do a bit of work. They get the advertising. I thought this is a great idea. So I pitched the idea to a producer in Toronto. I said, listen, I'll come down for three months. I got five of my guys and we'll do all your construction labor. I just want some advertising. I, I didn't need my mug on the, on the camera and it all, uh, 
you know, it, it, it just was a weird litany of events that all, you know, spun around in circles. And I found myself sitting at the network one day and they said, Hey, how'd you like to have your own show? So the, oh. uh, I mean, that, that's what happened. I, I said, you're, you're going to give me jobs, pay me to do them, edit it to make me look perfect, and you're going to broadcast that to my target audience. So where do I sign? That sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> and it's been quite an adventure for your wife and your kids. And um, Do you think more yes. people can do more than they think around their own home? Like I often think about if there's something broken around my own place, I'll often hire someone to come in and fix it. And then I always get, I kind of get buyer's remorse thinking like, oh, man. Maybe I could have done that Why'd myself. Do that? Yeah. There's, you know what? A lot of people overestimate their skill and a lot of people overestimate the amount of free time they have and how much they'll enjoy doing the job. And you really have to break it down to like, you know, anyone can learn to do anything, uh, but it takes time. It's going to cost a little bit of money. You'll make a mistake. You have to do it again. Uh, you know, if, if people want to learn, you've got, you know, the TV shows, books, YouTube, uh, the internet, there's, there's all kinds of resources to learn. If you don't want to learn, there's lots of uh, resources for that, too. We have uh, uh, our, our app called Hey Brian that actually launched in, in Vancouver and just recently went public. Uh, it's like an Uber for small tasks around the home that you can book uh, taskers to come in and, and do jobs at your home and pay through the app. So you don't have to touch that stuff. Uh, mm. We've got our Baumler approved contractor network with uh, guys that we've done all the vetting and background checks as well. Um, and there's also, uh, you know, there's the, some of the big box stores have have uh, classes on you can go and, and learn to do certain things as well. So you just really have to gauge your own skills and your interest in actually completing the job or uh, go the other route and hire someone to do it. All right, talking to Brian Baumler, appearing at the Vancouver Fall Home Show this weekend, host of Island of Brian. Okay, let's talk about that show, Brian, Island of Brian. People yes. are maybe familiar with the show. It's a big hit for you. It started out when you and your family decided to buy a, a a small resort in the Bahamas that had kind of seen better days. It was days a walking dead up. set. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it did look like a walking dead set when we got there, but it, it just, the, the most beautiful island, uh, you know, we've got a 90-mile, the third largest Great Barrier Reef in the world, the most blue holes wow. anywhere in the world, just just idyllic. Um, all the infrastructure was there, but just no no people, no development. And, right. um, you know, we looked at this, and, and it was a, it was literally a five-minute decision. I, I looked at Sarah and said, we should buy this. And she laughed and said, yeah, sure, we should. Uh, and the next day, you know, it was like, were, were you serious? And she said, were you serious? And we put an offer in, and, and uh, yeah, we, we pulled up the anchor. We pulled the kids out of school and, and did what I think a lot of people want to do or have that dream of doing or their bucket list of doing and just went down to a, a beautiful island to, uh, to turn a, a vacation <laughs> into a job really. And I was amazed how many people said, you can't do this. It's crazy. You know, what if it doesn't work? What if, what if, what if, and, and I think being down there for a year and a half and meeting the people that are there who are incredible people. Um, you know, I've realized more and more, especially as I get a little older, you know, I'm 45 now I'm playing the back nine. You know, if I'm lucky, I'm on the 10th. If I'm unlucky, I'm on the, the 18th green, who knows? Uh, but that was my point. I said, whether I do this or I don't do this 30 years from now, the end result is the same. So I want to have some adventure. Uh, the kids are going to have an incredible experience. Uh, it's it's a great business opportunity. And hey, it'll make a great show. And right. a lot of people that, that have the dream of doing that can kind of come with us without taking the risks. Um, and when we're done, they can come down and visit. Very popular show for all those reasons. Let me ask you about the hurricane, Hurricane Dory. And of course, Bahamas still recovering. It didn't hit your resort though, right? 
No, we were actually, uh, believe it or not, on a go-RVing Canada trip through Western Canada when the hurricane was kind of approaching the island. And every day, you know, we'd get somewhere more and more beautiful with the kids and showing them Western Canada. And this storm got bigger and bigger. And uh, there was there was a time it was a Cat 5 pointed directly at our island. And we had that conversation with uh, Sarah and I and the kids and said, you know, there's, there's a good chance in a few days we're going to fly back down there uh, and we'll be kind of sorting through rubble looking for our personal goods. Um, but it did turn north. It, it sat on Abaco, Grand Bahama, just destroyed those two islands. But 70,000 people were affected, uh, 25% of the population of the entire country. Uh, Bahamas is made wow. up of 700 islands. And when we got back down there, you know, our first reaction was, this is great. It missed us. You know, good job. High fives. But we realized very quickly that half of our staff members and, and locals there um, had hundreds of family members that were directly affected in Abaco, uh, Grand Bahama. So we started a, a GoFundMe to to send some relief and, and, and take care of our employees and their families uh, and quickly raised uh, over $200,000, which Sarah and I personally and with the Baumler Family Foundation have matched. So we've wow. been able to send a lot of um, relief supplies up, move some families around, um, and, and we've earmarked some for when, when all the media pulls out. This will be a multi, multi-year recovery, so we've got some funds to put towards that and disaster preparedness as well. So it, it was okay. amazing to see how that event affected so many people. Good job for helping out there, Brian. What's the most pressing need down there? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's everything. I mean, these are, these are people that had very little to begin with. The islands are hard to get to. Um, you know, we, we live and die by the, by the boat. So, you know, food, uh, food, clothing, construction materials now are incredibly important. Uh, you know, if people are interested in, in, uh, supporting, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, Links and Global Empowerment Mission is down there. There's there's Yacht Aid. There's there's a lot of uh, um, people that are that are down there on the ground now that they're that they're in. You still got your GoFundMe going? Uh, we do. Yeah. If you okay. if you just look up Sarulamar, which is C A E R U L A M A R on GoFundMe, uh, you can see it on there. And those funds go uh, 100% directly into um, uh, products and services, relocations, renting houses for families that have been displaced, and things like that as well. Good stuff, Brian. Enjoy the fall home show. I will. I can't wait. Hope we see you. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet, the 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. Uh, hope we see you down there. All right, there's Brian Baumler appearing at the Vancouver Fall Home Show underway right now and all through the weekend at the Vancouver Convention Center. A Swedish teenager, Greta Thunberg, one of the keynote speakers here as young people rally on the dangers of climate change. Let's talk about that climate change lawsuit you've heard about in the news today. That's the one that's been launched against the federal government 
by a group of young people from across Canada. The lawsuit by 15 young Canadians argues the federal government has contributed to dangerous climate change by failing to lower greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, the suit alleges that this contravenes the constitutional rights of young people to a right to life, liberty, and security of the person. What an interesting lawsuit. Let me introduce you now to one of the plaintiffs in the case, Ira Reinhardt Smith. He is 15 years old from Nova Scotia, but he's in Vancouver today for the rally and the launch of this lawsuit. Ira, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. How did you get involved in this lawsuit? Well, I've been doing climate work for a while now. Um, just after Christmas, the IPCC report came out. And that's when I really started focusing on our upcoming climate crisis or the one that's happening right now. Yeah. And so I've been organizing a number of Fridays for Future rallies near where I live, helping speak at them and talking to local politicians. And so I felt this was a very good next step. Tell me about the case. What are you, what are you guys arguing and alleging in this court case? We are saying that the federal government has violated our charter rights to life, liberty, and the security of the person. And so we're arguing that the government, not only its inactions, but its actions causing climate change, have, is breaking our charter of rights. What do you want the government to do about it? So unlike other lawsuits, we're not asking for money. What we're asking for is a science-based climate recovery plan that will reduce Canada's greenhouse gas emissions. And, so, and we also want to focus on carbon sequestration because we can't just live with what we have. The carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is already too, can prove very dangerous. So we're saying protection of forests, planting more trees, things like that, because trees are a natural, natural carbon sequestration device, honestly. Right. So they're really helpful things. So we just need to protect and plant more of them. Okay. When you guys argue, Ira, that this contravenes your constitutional rights to protection, quality of life, protection of the person and, and right to life, liberty and security of the person, what specifically uh, is happening that is depriving you of those rights? Like what, what is happening to your life and, and the lives of these other plaintiffs from climate change? So there are 15 plaintiffs on this case, and right. each one of them has an individual climate story. Mine is centered around, since Nova Scotia is a coastal province, we, the sea has to really do with everything. And so with rising ocean temperatures and rising sea levels, these storms are becoming much more powerful. Just a month ago, there was a hurricane that swept through the province that did much more damage than one in recent history. They're becoming more frequent, more powerful, and so that is part of my climate impact. Okay, when people listen to this, they go, oh, here's a 15-year-old kid suing the federal government here. Was, was this your idea, or was this, some people might think like, oh, I wonder who's, who's coaching this kid. Are there any adults kind of helping you along here on this? Well, of course <clears throat> there's lawyers. I'm, yeah. As a 15-year-old, I'm not able to be a lawyer, but I, the, this is all me. I'm, I don't like when people say that we're getting, we're getting like, hung around by the adults they're telling us what to say this is yeah. all us i've been doing this for a while now and it's all been me i've been organizing fridays for future movements all by myself as a young person my rights are being violated disproportionately because we can't vote so we can't elect who we think would best represent our interests in parliament so this is why we're taking this to court 
Okay, I'm speaking to Ira Reinhardt-Smith. He's one of the 15 young people suing the government of Canada here over, over climate change. What exactly, if the government was to dramatically order a reduction in, in greenhouse gas emissions, is that even possible when you've got, I don't know, the last, the last statistic I looked at is that 80% of human energy needs right now are, are met by fossil fuels. So how, how realistic is it to lower those, lower those emissions dramatically in a short term? Well, as a youth, I don't have all the answers. Our main message is to listen to the scientists. But I can tell you that green jobs are on the rise, renewable energies are on the rise. And so these new job opportunities, we're not asking everyone to quit their jobs and become or just like become jobless. We're just saying yeah. that there are better ways to do run our world and that have been happening and scientists have the answer. We don't have the answers, but we're telling people to look at the science who actually have the answers. Yeah. Yeah, but wouldn't a lot of people necessarily lose their jobs if the government was to dramatically order a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions? I mean, we've already seen a downturn in the oil patch in Alberta, and there's tens of thousands of people out of work there. So wouldn't it throw... And that, yeah, go ahead. Uh, that's, that's why we're asking for the Climate Recovery Plan. It's to help yeah. people transition out of their jobs into more green jobs. It's tricky, but right now the climate crisis is the biggest threat humanity has ever faced, and so we need to prepare to make vast reductions to what we're already doing okay but what about their rights though like, I, I take your point that you feel that climate change is trampling on your constitutional rights what about the rights of someone who would maybe be thrown out of their thrown out of job and destroy their family i can't speak to all the answers we don't have all the answers but right now yeah. we're saying that they're going to be in danger too from the climate crisis the climate crisis is affecting us all i can't say that the that this isn't hard, but governments have had the last 30 years to make an easy transition. They haven't, and so this is what has to be done now. Okay, you're in Vancouver. Are you downtown at the rally today? We are going to be there soon. We're just off for a little bit. We're just grabbing some lunch, and then, yes, we're going to go back to the rally. Okay, you're, gonna, you're hoping to hear Greta Thunberg speak down there? Yes, that would be great. What do you, what do you think of her? Oh, she's, a, she's definitely a huge inspiration, just like all the other climate leaders in the world. She's, she's become a figurehead for the movement she's a great person she definitely inspired me to start my journey and i'm very happy that she's in vancouver with us okay do you think that young people are now are, are leading leading the fight here leading the way i think in a way yes because this is our this is our generation this is our future we're the one who are going to have to face the brunt of this when it actually happens and so i think yes young people are most concerned about their future so that is why we are taking the front on this Ira, following your court case with keen interest, thanks for coming on to talk about it. Thank you for having me. All right, you're welcome. That is Ira Reinhardt-Smith, 15 years old. He's from Nova Scotia. He's in Vancouver today. He is part of this lawsuit that has been filed against the federal government. So this is 15 young people from across the country who are arguing that the federal government is trampling on their constitutional rights by failing to deal with climate change effectively. They say the greenhouse gas emissions are affecting their lives and their futures. They're suing the government over it today. As you heard him say, he's down at the climate strike rally happening in downtown Vancouver right now, where a lot of, uh, a lot of people are located at the moment. 
Greta Thunberg, the Swedish teenager here who has become the global face of youth climate change activism, getting set to speak at that rally in Vancouver today. We hope to bring you that, some sound of that a little later on the show. As we're okay. back on the CKNW Stormwatch here with the wind warning remaining in effect for Metro Vancouver, Greater Victoria, and the Southern Gulf Islands. Wind gusts may hit 90 clicks today. Meanwhile, Environment Canada has issued a snowfall warning for chunks of the B.C. interior as well. Just checking the B.C. Hydro website. Oh, man, the number of people without power. This is just going up and up and up. This is going up faster than your ICBC bill here. When we started the show earlier today, we had about 800 homes without power. Uh, then we hit uh, something like 2,000. We are up to 8,000 homes without power. Global BC senior meteorologist, Christy Gordon. Hi, Christy. Hi, how are you? I'm great, Christy. Busy day for you. Thanks for taking the time. What's the latest? My pleasure. Uh, just a little update on the power outages. Lower mainland just got this in. 12,000 now. Oh. Yep, 12,000. And for the interior region, so that includes the Okanagan, Thompson, Shushwap area, 46,000 without oh. power. Wow. Yes. So it's the interior regions that seem to be getting the worst of it right now with gusts up to 91 kilometers an hour in the Kamloops region. There's a number of trees down. Trampolines have been thrown. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's quite intense there. So a number of warnings still in place. I am expecting the winds in that region, though, to ease through the afternoon. Meanwhile, the south coast region will continue to see the strong winds right, right into the evening hours. Now, you mentioned earlier the warning um, issued by Environment Canada gusts to 90 kilometers an hour. Now, when we get a cold front swinging through, we tend to get the strongest winds right in behind the cold front. So with the rain, you saw the difference between the rain this morning to the sunshine. Well, that's that cold front swinging through. So I think the absolute worst winds are over i think we still could see wind gusts up to 80 90 might be a stretch for our region but still 80 is significant and we'll see those potentially right through until 11 o'clock tonight maybe even midnight wow and how about that cold front that's moving through too right that has already moved through. So that moved right. through this morning. We're in behind it now. And that's why I say we'll still see strong winds, but the worst of it for our area uh, likely over. But as I mentioned, we're not talking, I was talking about the 90 kilometer an hour winds, not likely anymore, but probably still 70 to 80 kilometer an hour gusts. And as I mentioned, those are still very dangerous winds. Uh, we'll likely see more power outages into the evening hours. All right, Christy, thanks for the update. You're welcome. That's Global BC Senior Meteorologist Christy Gordon. As you heard her mention, there are thousands of people without power in the Lower Mainland and the in, in the interior as well. Let's check in now with Jeff Hastings, spokesperson at BC Hydro. Hiya, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Okay, crazy day for you guys. What's the latest there? Uh, well, it's uh, really just starting to pick up around the province right now. We had some significant power outages spread throughout the northeastern part of the province in peace country uh, earlier this morning. Uh, right now, that windstorm, as uh, you've been reporting, is, is hitting the lower mainland and the southern interior as well. Uh, Kamloops and Salmon Arm have been particularly hard hit. In the lower mainland, it looks like uh, Delta, uh, parts of Burnaby, Coquitlam, New West, uh, Ladner, Surrey uh, are all seeing significant significant outages right now so thousands of people out and we're working to restore power as fast as we can okay how tough is it for for your crews when you've got this type of storm affecting such a wide part of the province 
Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's exactly it. It's a wide part of the province. Yeah. Storms are, are we know they're coming, but it's tough to say who's going to hit and get hit and how hard. I mean, right now it's uh, like there's not much going on in Richmond right now, but Delta on the other hand's got a lot going out. So we have we have people all over the province, crews all over the province, uh, contractors on standby to come and help us out. So we deploy people as quickly as we can. We respond as quickly as we can to outages as they occur, but they're very difficult to uh, predict. But uh, we are out there, lots of people out there, hoping to get the power back on as soon as possible. What's the average time for an outage? It's difficult to pinpoint, I imagine. Uh, that really varies. What I can tell you though, is that the average duration of an outage, uh, we've been looking into this in the last year or so, has actually gone down. So we're seeing more severe storms. So uh, the, the impact of these storms is, is uh, much more uh, severe, but the actual outage length, the average out of outage length has, has gone down quite a bit over the last few years. So we're quite proud of all our crews in the field who are uh, accomplishing that. Okay, is it mostly trees falling down and taking down power lines? Is that the biggest problem? That is by far the biggest problem. Yeah. Uh, we have more trees along our lines than anywhere else in North America. Uh, we have a vegetation management group that spends a great deal of time and effort uh, removing trees, uh, pruning branches. Uh, last year, for example, we took out 53,000 trees that posed a risk to our system. So if you think about the way the province is with the mountains and the forest, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge job and a lot of people are on it. Okay, for people who are uh, got their power out right now, Jeff, where can they get information? Uh, well, if you have access to a radio, of course, uh, if you can yeah. uh, get in the car and listen to the radio, I've got to start there. But uh, uh, bchydro.com slash outages is uh, constantly updating, and uh, it's got the most, uh, it's got the best information that we have, and it's available to anybody who, who has access to it as soon as possible. Jeff, you guys work hard on a day like this. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, and good luck out there. Okay, uh, Jeff Hastings, spokesperson for BC Hydro. So just to recap for you now, 12,000 BC Hydro customers without power across the lower mainland, 64,000 off the grid across the province. The wind wreaking havoc with BC Ferries as well. The gusty winds having an impact on ferry sailings. Here's BC Ferries spokesperson Deb Marshall. Due to the high winds, we have had to cancel several sailings today. That would be the 11 a.m. sailings and the 1 p.m. sailings from both Tawasson and Swartz Bay. Uh, as well, we've canceled the 10.40 a.m. sailing from Departure Bay and the 1 p.m. sailing from Horseshoe Bay. Okay, there could be more cancellations going forward. Deb Marshall there at BC Ferries. A windstorm picking up. The province's largest 911 call center, meanwhile, Reminding people only call if there's an emergency. Ecom spokesperson Jasmine Bradley says it's not uncommon during storms like this for call takers to field questions from people who are seeking information about power outages and downed trees. She says it's important. Only call 911 for serious emergencies. We just want to really make sure that people understand our call takers can't answer questions about power outages or restoration updates. Those questions need to be directed to BC Hydro. Okay, we're following the storm for you. Keep it locked right here on CKNW. All right, Honor House. It's a place in New Westminster for veterans and emergency services personnel to find refuge while seeking medical treatment in Metro Vancouver. The man who started this incredible not-for-profit organization spoke to our Nikki Reitmeyer about what inspired him to create Honor House and what inspires him to continue to expand the program's reach. I want to introduce you to a man named Alan DiGenova. President, Honor House Society, Honorary Colonel, 15th Field Artillery Regiment. About 11 years ago, he started 
Honour House, a non-for-profit refuge in New Westminster for members of the Canadian Armed Forces and Emergency Services personnel. Honour House was a dream which became a reality. My mentor and uh, motivator was Captain Trevor Green. Trevor was with the Seaforce Highlanders. Uh, He was a journalist um, with Bloomberg in Vancouver here and was deployed to uh, Afghanistan. It was at that time that uh, Captain Green uh, went into a village and out of respect took his helmet off and laid his uh, rifle uh, on top of his helmet to have a a cup of tea with the elders to talk about their water systems. It was then shortly after that an insurgent, Taliban insurgent, came around behind him with a homemade axe and with all his might literally planted that axe into Trevor's head and splitting his head almost fully open. It was then that an ambush took place and they managed to get Trevor out, load him onto a U.S. Black Hawk helicopter, get him into Kandahar, then into Germany, and then into Edmonton where they stabilized him, and then to Vancouver. When I learned that with my wife, we were watching a documentary called Peace Warrior some months later about Captain Trevor Green and uh, his injury. Afghanistan, March 2006. Among the Canadian troops, an unlikely soldier, 41-year-old Trevor Green. It was then my wife said, uh, Wendy, that, you know, our men and women don't really have a place to stay when they need help. They're forever helping us. And you should call it Honor House in honor of our Canadian forces and first responders. And that's where um, the dream became uh, um, the motivator for me to bring a, a group together, a board of directors, get Honor House formed and start moving forward. And about two and a bit years after that, um, Honor House on what I call the uh, 509 St. George Street, the miracle on St. George Street is where Honor House is today. We're 11 bedrooms, 11 bathroom, just under 12,000 square foot home in Queen's Park and just now coming up to uh, our 10,000th night stay at Honor House to help our men and women and or their families in uniform. A big thank you today for the people who put their lives on the line to keep us safe. New Westminster's Honor House. Today we're learning more about Honor House, which provides services for first responders. The Heritage Home is a refuge for veterans and first responders who have to travel to Vancouver for medical care and PTSD treatment. Honor House is described as a home away from home for veterans and their families while they seek treatment in the Lower Mainland from GF Strong, VGH, and elsewhere. But at the beginning of this month, Alan expanded his dream to open Honor Ranch in Ashcroft, BC, a facility that can accommodate those suffering from PTSD. It's on 120 acres. We have 10 beautiful cottages with the main lodge, and we're building another 10 now in the spring that will bring volunteers together and and the community to help us build the the other 10, which will then run up to 40 people at any given time for programs or one-on-one peer programming. Sometimes it's just with their partners, spouses, or family to get away and uh, also have some kind of group therapy or family therapy, whatever the individual may need, that man or woman that's in uniform that really needs that help. Because we say it as the ambulance paramedics, uh, we want them to share it and not wear it. To open up, it's okay to talk about it with your, your peers, with your own members within your department, with your family. On October 5th, Honor Ranch celebrated its grand opening. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people came from all over the province 
people that needed help, uh, people from MLAs, MP, community as a whole, to support this program, which was really just a dream not six months ago. And uh, I feel good for our men and women uniform. We might be cozy from time to time, but we're not turning anybody away. You know, there's uh, help out there. We're there for them, and unconditionally, we're not here to judge. We're just here to help, and uh, I'm going to see that we make that uh, available for them whenever they need it. If you know a member of the Canadian military, a police officer, firefighter, or EMT who could benefit from Allen's programs, visit honorhouse.ca. For the CKNW Leadership Series, I'm Nikki Reitmeyer.